this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the in focus podcast my name is jayan shriram and i'm your host for today's episode today we take a detailed look at the bird flu outbreak in india look at how serious it is and how it can be contained so here's the story so far avian influenza popularly known as bird flu has been reported from kerala rajasthan madhya pradesh himachal pradesh haryana gujarat and uttar pradesh in recent weeks during the first week of january reports of unusual deaths of a large number of birds including wild ones started coming in from many states indicating that the virus is being actively transmitted among various bird groups So what causes bird flu and how does it spread what is its impact on birds and what is the kind of threat it can pose to human beings crucially how does one come up with strategies to contain it those are the questions we'll take up today and i'm joined by the hindus senior associate editor g anantakrishna so the first uh, question to ask is um I suppose how serious is this outbreak of bird flu uh, avian flu in India and uh, which are the states that is which are the states that have been affected so far and how widespread is this Yeah thanks Ram Actually uh, this this particular outbreak has been uh, quite serious I would think uh, because it's uh, spreading from uh, you know the initial uh, base of about four states to uh, you know many more now for instance uh, you, initially you had uh, kerala then uh, rajasthan uh, madhya pradesh and himachal and then uh, you've added on now haryana gujarat maharashtra and uttar pradesh more recently so you are finding uh, birds of uh, different kinds wild birds uh, you know birds which are not domestic but yet found in the normal environment like crows and so on and of course uh, you know poultry and aquatic birds which people keep for agriculture all these birds are affected now as you know so uh, this is actually a, what we are seeing is a wave of uh, you know bird flu infections that have been happening since uh, the big uh, wave in 2005 6 so you find that uh, this this is again a major challenge this this year and uh, we have not yet seen the last of it so uh, the culling operations are still on so i suppose we'll have to uh, watch uh, how it goes from here because this is also the migration season for the birds so i i think uh, you know maybe we have seen the worst of it but uh, i guess uh, it will still uh, you know recur right so um you know this outbreak in india is it part of a of a kind of a global outbreak is it in different geographic regions that we also see this outbreak of avian flu Yeah, so the latest update on uh, the uh, you know what they call the highly pathogenic avian influenza which is uh, the severe form of bird flu right uh, which has been uh, tracked uh, for uh, december by the world animal health information system so basically this one uh, keeps track of uh, this organization keeps track of uh, you know what's happening around the world and what they have identified is several countries where uh, the uh, outbreak has been noticed uh, you know in the last uh, let's say month or two which would be uh, you know including taiwan iran israel japan south korea and vietnam european union countries you know almost a dozen of them then you have ukraine russia and the uk 
so it's uh, it's quite a widespread uh, you know spread this time and uh, according to this organization uh, there have been sort of 4.8 million birds who were affected as of december so when you when you say affected it just means that those birds uh, you know can't survive either they die on their own or they have to be removed right so uh, let's just uh, split this up into two um, you know vital questions um, the first would be how serious is avian flu for bird health uh the the major uh, you know types of uh, bird flu if you take uh, the viruses that uh, you know they have uh, identified so far h5n1 and h5n8 which we have seen here and which are pretty much uh, you know very common uh, elsewhere as well apart from of course other variants which include h5n2 h5 n8 h7 n8 and so on and uh, there's also this uh, somewhat uh, less common h7 n9 so these these uh, these strains actually uh, are very serious for uh, birds because uh, from what one can see the pro- prospect of uh, birds overcoming the infection uh, you know once they have it is very low so you have this mass deaths of birds which we have seen in many places like ducks in kerala and you know other places so uh, these are indi- indicators of how how it is a severe infection so uh, we, you can actually see that it spreads very quickly from the saliva of the birds from the droppings of the birds so uh, when you have a captive uh, you know stock of a large number of birds what you're talking about is uh, a mass infection which quickly spreads so uh, there is there is very little a uh, chance that uh, you know the birds may escape so this is actually even from an economic perspective and from the perspective of the bird health is a very serious issue so uh, basically at the moment uh, there is an outbreak one has to try and contain it so that is pretty much the uh, defense that uh, people have they they basically cull all the birds in that particular uh, you know ground zero if you can call it that and then you know a radius of let's say a kilometer or so so around all the birds the captive birds are uh, removed so this has been uh, now initiated in several states and uh, in terms of the economics uh, this is uh, you know it's it's, it's really uh, severe for the farmer because uh, he might lose his entire uh, you know birds that he has raised over a time and he has to depend on a sort of small compensation that uh, you know the government gives so it is indeed a serious threat to uh, poultry and aquatic farming yes right um and and so does this affect um, all birds or some birds more in particular or is it like you said just birds that are kept together in large clusters that are in more danger what we can see is that uh, the interactions between wild birds and domestic birds uh, right. wherever they occur like for instance uh, the birds might be coming from distant places but what one can see what one reads in the literature is that uh, these birds don't sort of carry the virus for a very long distance as they migrate it is just that wherever they are uh, resting on on their route they come into contact with the virus somewhere and then they develop the infection and they perish uh, you know soon thereafter but the places where they subsequently go it's either uh, you know resting again or uh, you know falling and dying so there if there are other domestic birds these uh, you know migratory uh, wild birds uh, they basically bring that infection to a newer territory so this is this is uh, you know in in some the way that this thing spreads but as we have uh, spoken if you have a large number of let's say a poultry farm with uh, you know thousands of birds so then quickly it spreads among those birds and then it might spread in the environment and there is of course the uh, 
There is, of course, the uh, threat to human health as well, which we can prospectively discuss uh, from a couple of strains, known strains of this virus, and the fear that uh, you know humans might actually face uh, you know much more severe uh, you know uh, effect of these viruses in the future if they mutate. Right. No, that's a vital question, which we'll of course uh, discuss just subsequently. But just to clarify again, um, basically the carrier in this case is a wild bird, um, and that and the wild bird basically comes in contact with if when the wild bird comes in contact with you know a large cluster of um, other other birds, say kept uh, in large clusters for poultry farming, etc. That's where this kind of mass spread happens. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. So uh, the the source uh, should be from some bird which is exotic to that uh, infection site. So one right. might imagine that, uh, you know, it is uh, predominantly uh, a wild bird because uh, those are the birds that are exotic to that place. And, uh, you know, the domestic birds until then had no signs of disease. So when you make that connection, uh, you know, the uh, the finger is pointed at a foreign source. So we, we, which is not to say that, uh, you know, wild birds are in some way responsible for, uh, you know, infecting uh, these, uh, you know, domestic birds, the birds of economic importance locally. It's just that they have picked it up along the way and uh, quite hapless in that sense. And right. uh, there, is, there is the other issue uh, that if you try and try to eliminate wild birds, then what you're doing is you are basically dispersing the uh, virus into newer territories because these birds would then flee from wherever they are and go to some nearby territory and they would end up infecting fresh birds in that area as well. So uh, the integrity of uh, maintaining the uh, you know the wildlife ecosystem is more important if you uh, you and the segregation of the domestic birds from the wild ones. So this is this is basically so uh, as you correctly said you know it is indeed appearing to coming come from the uh, wild bird and spreading to the domestic birds. Right. Um, so let's just come now to the question that we discussed earlier, which is, um, does bird flu pose a threat to human beings and how serious can this threat be? So indeed, there is a threat to human health, uh, Gent. It's right. just that, uh, you know, we have had uh, infections reported from H5N1, which is the most common kind of infection that's been reported, and then H7N9 and H9N2 variants of the virus. So uh, less common is uh, you know H7N9 and H9N2. H5N1 by now is uh, well known because there have been mass infections in East Asia in the past, and so uh, you you are uh, basically the fear is that uh, uh, currently the position is one, such that you don't have very fast, efficient human-to-human transmission of the virus. That is generally the belief. Now, if you see some of these viruses. They uh, they might have a mutation in the way that they transfer, and so uh, the transmission among humans it might uh, lead to a situation where it gets very fast, and then it would uh, you know uh, create a kind of fear that particularly feels resonant now in the wake of COVID nineteen that uh, you right. know, we might be looking at a virus which will uh, which is much more lethal you know based on the mortality data we see. That uh, you know, much more lethal than uh, the uh, COVID-19 mortality rates. So when we look at that, what we see is that uh, mutation, the change in the uh, genetics, the way that they bind to receptors 
in uh, you know our uh, pathways the human airway pathways pathways the way they actually change that would pose a great uh, you know risk to humans so uh, we have to try and uh, contain these epidemics among birds and reduce the movement of people to uh, you know these affected places and uh, basically that's the protocol that uh, we need to surveil all the time see whether that we are uh, you know well up on uh, you know what the state of the infection is the genomic sequencing of the viruses that are already known now uh, it's interesting because they say that uh, uh, even from the 1918 pandemic it was of uh, you know an avian origin genes set of genes of avian origin which okay. basically uh, you know caused the infection of h1n1 in that instance according to the right. centers for disease control in the us h1n1 was responsible for that so uh, you know it's 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 uh, it's a kind of uh, thing that happened in sars earlier and you know we later got covid so here people fear that if we don't really get our act together then something might go wrong here as well so there is a threat to human health right and um, have there been strains before of avian flu that have you know had this um, have, that have exhibited this potential to mutate and you know increase transmissibility among humans in this uh, fashion so it is not uh, there's no evidence that i think it is uh, really mutated in a way that uh, you know fundamentally changes the way it works so right. uh, what they say is that uh, you know these viruses actually uh, require receptors which are lower down in the lungs so it's not so easy to transfer to another person so that's exactly the point so if they actually change the way they work with the other receptors if they are able to find you know some way to bind then that might be a problem at that point so currently the evidence uh, seems to point low to low human to human transmission although uh, for instance uh, you know uh, who it says that since 2003 there have been 862 uh, confirmed cases of uh, h5n1 and 455 deaths in 17 countries so it sort of uh, gives you an idea that uh, you know uh, this is not this is not to be uh, sort of taken lightly although the transmission may uh, you know be slow at this point and uh, basically it all uh, boils down to this question of how you are going to deal with uh, the wild environment and prevent the interactions between domestic birds and wild birds so which means maintaining habitat integrity so i here i would like to touch on the you know the uh, the british uh, sort of uh, approach to this they have said okay. that uh, you know you, the farmers are by law required to ensure that all the domestic birds are kept within nets during this current uh, you know pandemic uh, those which are not affected so those which are affected naturally they'll be removed so uh, just to prevent that from happening they are saying that uh, you know there's this protocol to be followed and you know how you want to minimize uh, the uh, risk of transmission from one set of birds to another in the farming context so yeah so basically that's what we can do at this time so um yeah i was going to get to mitigation measures so one one thing that you're pointing out is that uh, putting uh, the non affected birds uh, within within netted environments is is a good way to start right that's correct yeah so that that uh, it is part of uh, the biosecurity measures that are normally uh, introduced by governments so uh, basically uh, they they prevent the wild birds from getting very close to or contacting in some way you know connecting with uh, the uh, the domestic birds 
so uh, that that will uh, I, i mean help to uh, you know physically act as a barrier and uh, in the case of aquatic birds it is also particularly important because uh, wild birds and uh, domestic birds which are aquatic might uh, use the same space uh, a water body so that is something that you need to particularly uh, you know watch out for and uh, <clears throat> so i mean th- th- these are basically then the farm protocols are there what do you do when you work on a farm so all the vehicles have to be uh, you know disinfected and then you have to disinfect your footwear and then uh, you have to ensure that uh, you know you don't visit production areas too often more than necessary because you end up carrying uh, uh, the virus fr- based on the animal products to other areas of the farm if if there is a problem you end up carrying it to other areas so uh, basically it, it, the protection comes from this kind of uh, you know biosecurity prevention so that that's the uh, that's the only way you can prevent it but once you have an infection the only op- option open to you is containment in which case you have to uh, cull the affected birds and then uh, you know restock that uh, particular farm with new birds so uh, in india there's some law which uh, requires periodic you know sort of surveillance and uh, this is not uh, something that gets wide uh, you know sort of public uh, <laughs> attention so we really don't know how how efficiently this is happening in terms of uh, you know the use of the law which is the prevention and control of infectious and contagious diseases in animals act uh, dating back to 2009 so basically uh, the way that we handle all this is uh, you know important and uh, i'd also like to say that in indian context uh, many of the farmers live close to natural environments where uh, the birds are domestic birds uh, kept birds are free to move so that actually uh, raises the uh, you know prospect like in kerala for instance why is it that ducks get affected it's um, very likely because of uh, the the cohabitation so so to say about uh, you know, the wild birds and uh, the domestic birds in the same space right so there needs to be a clear boundary between uh, these two environments that's another thing that can be done for safety right yeah that's correct so uh, demarcation uh, of farms and uh, you know helping farmers to uh, maintain biosecurity measures uh, right. has to be the uh, you know sort of guiding policy in uh, mitigating the threat of bird flu in future years because we as we uh, know it is a you know big sector in india valued uh, very highly uh, worth an estimated 80000 crores in a year and uh, with about 500 odd crores in exports so uh, it's it, poultry is a big uh, industry so we can't afford uh, small farmers who make up about about let's say 20% of uh, you know the total you know we they we can't afford to let them uh, you know suffer because of uh, you know every 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 other year or every year to have a sort of outbreak somewhere or the other would uh, you know seriously jeopardize their prospects so i think uh, we need to get, factor that into the policy the government is very keen to do that uh, based on what they are saying in their uh, action plan action plan for uh, the poultry industry uh, but uh, we really have to get down to it and and what's the and just speaking about po- the poultry uh, industry and the poultry markets um of course uh, you know bird flu creates a scare and people stop buying poultry products um is that the i mean is there a danger of buying poultry products at this point in time the uh, advice that we have seen 
is that mm. uh, you know which is also common sense advice is that you don't uh, eat things which are not cooked well so right typically uh, that is of course the psychological barrier that uh, if so there is a problem somewhere then you mm. would want to uh, consume that particular product so which is of course uh, you know the natural uh, sort of protective reaction that people have but what we have seen so far is that the official advice is about uh, eating things which are well cooked and it's it's always helpful to keep track of uh, what the government is saying about uh, this particular aspect about the safety of food from time to time and uh, you know not take uh, an extreme view of it uh, this way or that so i think uh, the important thing is for us to uh, uh, ensure that poultry in particular whether it's uh, you know eggs or meat uh, is really well cooked so that's that's the uh, i mean that's what i would think is uh, the rational way of looking at it right um and so just just to end um there's you've done an explainer in this uh, for the paper which we'll link to in the podcast and there's one uh, question that uh, that's really interesting um you know why does uh, why do we keep having these recurrences of bird flu and do you know past major outbreaks not help form preventive strategies um so why why does why do we keep going through this cycle there is there is no real way of uh, getting rid of uh, viruses because the reservoir of uh, infection is so wide that uh, you cannot get rid of uh, viruses in toto so there will always be birds which uh, are migrating and uh, you know which will be coming and they might they might pick it up uh, on the way it is neither uh, feasible nor desirable to eliminate uh, you know birds out of fear that they'll be spreading this infection so uh, the, the rational thing to do would be to uh, you know protect against it but uh, you know recurrence is something that you cannot avoid and uh, that's simply because the world is so large and there's got so much of uh, you know it's just like any other virus you cannot completely eliminate it uh, you know maybe uh, with the exception of uh, you know something like uh, you know pox so but then uh, you know that might have taken a long time and it has, it is done but the the the, uh, the the people whom it affects matters most in this case it's a wide variety of birds so there is no way you're going to completely rid the reservoir of uh, infections so this this is bound to remain in the, the environment and all we can do is to take uh, security measures biosecurity surveillance and uh, you know uh, preserve the integrity of the wild habitat so that wild birds which acquire this infection will not have any necessity to come into contact with the domestic birds in in terms of food feed or uh, you know water which uh, you know we provide to uh, kept birds so i think th- that is a key question recurrence will happen if we are careless that's what i would think right um so the so the biggest um, known outbreak of uh, bird flu i think was in 2006 um, which happened in asia and uh, you know as many as 258 cases i think in humans had been reported um so th- there was some talk of many countries coming together to sort of devise um, at least local strategies did, did that lead to anything um, by way of preventive measures so what they said in that uh, particular uh, meeting of different countries after the event is that uh, they resolved to uh, you know uh, tackle the problem of uh, avian influenza highly pathogenic avian influenza uh, collectively uh, there is a there is a resolve to do that but the strategies should be formed by individual countries 
so okay. uh, this is not uh, there's no sort of global uh, uh, model or framework which they have advocated so this is also closely aligned with agriculture and uh, you know wildlife and uh, you know natural environment preservation so every country uh, forms policy on that in this case uh, they have uh, they are in terms of the prevention and containment they have come up with that delhi declaration which basically says that uh, you know you you have we have we resolve to handle this but the individual countries will form their own uh, you know strategies how to do it that's uh, that's what uh, is the result of that particular initiative i think we'll wrap it up there um ji anantakrishnan thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast explaining this uh, complex issue to us and uh, we'll see you again soon thank you thank you ji in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon